Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Sheets with your hosts, Jeanette and Chad. Jeanette and Chad, so glad you all keep coming back and tuning into the podcast. Uh, I was just going over the numbers, Jeanette. Want to hear what some are they? awesome numbers? They keep growing. They just don't stop, which is awesome, right? That means we're doing something right. Uh, we have over 1,500 plays just in the U.S. alone, 35 what? in Belgium. Uh, we got people from over a dozen different countries that listen every single week. Uh, Germany, France, even Morocco. How about that? Uh, what? Wait, what? Hold on. We're in France? That's right. <laughs> Parlez-vous we, we are in France, absolutely. I don't know why Sebastian keeps coming into my mind from the little mermaid. Oh my, my goodness. God. Well, shoot, we gotta step it up now. And we so, gotta and we gotta watch the little mermaid, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. You should always watch it. Um, so let's talk about something that pops up occasionally, but when it does, it's kind of it's surrounded with varying opinions and uh sometimes some controversy. How about okay. that? Yeah, yeah, let's 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 jump into it. Let's go for it. Okay, so folks, today is all about keeping your boundaries with your clients. Now, we do know that you will grow closer to some of them, and they will want to learn about you and your life and know what's going on, know that you're okay because they genuinely care about you, right? That's the whole reason why we're building relationships with clients, so that we get the people that care about us as a person, not just a number, right? Yeah, no, definitely. But think about it. When you open that door, you could potentially be exposing yourself to some risks. So um, let's go over a couple of the types of situations that you might run into. And I don't know, let's, let's see what we can do about handling those properly, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one, the most popular one is dating when either your client becomes attracted to you or you become attracted to your client. And there's kind of that initial, I don't know. Popular, you mean common, right? The most common one to come up, not popular. Like, Hey, this is is cool. (laughs) Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Different terminology. Yes. The most common one that comes up. And I don't want to say that it comes up on a weekly basis, I would say I probably see it maybe once every other month among all of our Facebook groups. But I mean, when you become interested in someone, that's not something that you can just kick to the door, right? Like once you start that initial kind of like, I think I have feelings for this person, it's kind of hard to kind of let go of that and be like, nope, they're a client. So what do you do about it? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I want to just say that right off is I don't ever think anybody um, should have to go through that uninvited. I don't think that's right. Right. I just want to start off by saying that before I say anything else. Um, now I do also want to say though, if you are noticing a trend, if you're noticing that it happens frequently and you went onto the, you know, forums or the Facebook groups and you ask the question and people are like, Oh, maybe once or twice a month, as opposed to you getting it, you know, five times a week, you do have to take a hard look at how you are having these conversations and engaging with these people. I'm not saying anybody's at fault, but we do have to be honest with ourselves. And if we're finding that something is um, out of the norm, it's happening occasionally, you know, happening at a frequency that's different than the norm. Um, definitely take a look at how you're handling things because I have the tendency to be overly uh, welcoming and overly, you know, I go out on a limb to try and make people feel extra welcome. Yeah. And 
people could take that the wrong way. And it's not that I'm necessarily wrong or doing anything wrong, but if I do want to have a certain, uh, you know, we have to set the expectations with our clients, but we also can't um, go against the expectations that we've set. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Is that making sense? I feel like, I feel like I'm walking a tightrope. No, what I say. Well, and a lot of this is walking a tightrope, but I'm glad you made a distinction. Like if this is happening where clients are, I don't want to say propositioning because that sounds like they're asking for something other than massage. But if a client, if clients are continuously saying like, Hey, I'd really like to take you out on a date, then yeah, you will need to readjust and reevaluate how you're approaching your clients from the get-go, five key behaviors, six-step process, how you're communicating with them, so on and so forth. For the purposes of this podcast, we're going to say that this doesn't happen often. It's something like it's, you've been seeing this client for, you know, over a year and you're starting to develop feelings, you are noticing that maybe they're becoming a little bit more flirtatious. It's like a one-time kind of thing. And mute and mutual. Yes. Yes. Like that's, mutual. that's the yes. important part here is that it's not all one-sided. Yeah. Yes. It's mutual. Now standards say in most States, Um, some states have a a law in their governing body, whether you're a certification or a licensure, that you need to cease seeing that person as a client for anywhere from six months to a year. Prior. Yeah, prior to even going out on your first date, okay? And I have seen some topics and some posts and some comments that have said, yeah, uh, I'm married to a guy that was originally my client. And I told him, uh, okay, this is mutual, but I need to stop seeing you as a client for six months. And he waited the six months. And then we went on our first date and we've been married for 22 years. Like there is people that follow those protocols. And then there's people that just can't, they want to go out on that first date. The important thing to remember is, is that you have to evaluate the circumstance that you're in, okay? Just because the physical attraction and the emotional attraction and whatever is there in the massage room doesn't necessarily mean it's still going to exist outside of that uh, setting, I guess is the right word. So the six months to a year off is kind of so that you can take a step back to see are these feelings actually true or is it just circumstantial? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know I shouldn't have gone there, but when I thought about what you just said, I immediately went to like purchasing, you know, a firearm. They make you wait for a reason, right? Yes. Because your mindset, the way, you know, it could be different. And so that's why those are in place is that, you know, it might be situational. It might be an in the moment. It might not be. Uh, and, you know, you have to, at the very beginning, you definitely have to make sure you're setting uh, those boundaries and expectations. And if it becomes something that is, you know, banging on the door of those boundaries, okay, then it, it's it's okay to investigate. Just make sure you do what you're supposed to do. Right. You know, right. Do it right. Right. And part of those, part of that six months to a year, whatever it is, also prevents you from having a risk. Because say you ignore that six month to a year lapse of seeing them, 
Um, and that means no communication, no, as far as I understand the rules and regs, uh, sorry, regulations, <laughs> I like to abbreviate stuff. Um, that means no texting, no phone calls, no FaceTime, no therapist, no, 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 nothing. When you stop seeing them as a client and stop having essentially that paper trail for lack of better terms of communication, then six months down the road, if, and we're going to get into this a little bit later as one of those risks, six months down the road, if they're mad because you haven't seen them and they post a bad review, you have stuff to back you up as a business owner. Um, I'm sorry that you feel that way, you know, in case anybody asks or you get investigated or whatever. The last time I saw this person was here. I literally have no record of making a phone call to them, seeing them, so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Because this for gets a little yeah, convoluted. No, for sure. And of course, the hope is it works out. They understand and everybody's, you know, right. in, it, in it to win it for the, the great haul. But right. Uh, how often does that happen? So the, the potential for it to go awry is definitely greater than for it to, you know, be right. pristine. So if you guys are finding yourself in this kind of a situation, your best bet is to take a break from seeing them, period, yeah. in all aspects, as a client, as outside of the, outside of seeing them as your massage, as their massage therapist, take a break and really evaluate, like, you know, essentially, I hate to put it this way. It sounds so cliche, but like, do you miss them? Like, is it a genuine feeling is what you're trying to figure out before you even pull that, um, pull that trigger on scheduling that first date. You got to have, you just have to have that break. Okay. Now what, what if it's a situation where we're talking about friends though? So maybe it's not, maybe it's not, you know, that full deep interest. Maybe it's not dating. Uh, but maybe you're just like, wow, this is a really badass person. I really like this human. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to go grab a, a drink with them or play darts or, you know, it's like on that friendship yeah. level. What, what about then? Um, <clears throat> in my opinion, there's a couple factors that play into that. Like how long have you been seeing them? You know, if it's like two months in, I would say, you know, maybe, I guess maybe ease into it a little bit because you never know what people's intentions are. I would hate to see a therapist be like, hey, I really like this person. I'd like to go hang out with them. They've only been seeing them as their therapist for two months. And then suddenly that person is banging on their door for discounts. Like I would hate to see that happen. But I mean, I have many clients that I would probably consider friends uh, because they just genuinely care. And when they notice maybe I'm, you know, maybe I look a little tired or maybe I'm just not my usual bumpy self, they have reached out to me several days later and said, Hey, like had a great massage. I feel great. Uh, but I noticed that you just weren't your usual bubbly self. Is everything okay? And typically my response is, yeah, I'm great. I'm just a little exhausted. Like you keep that boundary of, not exploding in on them to let them know like, oh my God, this is going wrong and this is going wrong and this is happening and this is happening. Because then that just kind of invites them into a very personal part of your life where it's, it kind of is it just like snowballs into now every session is, okay, well, how are you feeling this week? How are you feeling this week? And it's hard to kind of back away from that. No, this isn't about me, the therapist. This is about you, the client. Yeah, you don't so, come so here to find it, out about yeah. my life. Yeah. So stop it before it even becomes a thing. So yeah, absolutely. And that goes back again to boundaries. I bet the yes. ethical, ethical professors and, and instructors are like, 
uh, giving us a plus one on a couple of the things we're saying here, because you have to have those boundaries. At the end of the day, you have to be able to step away and say, I was a professional. I did everything I could in my power to ensure that this was professional, right? Yeah, no, it, I mean, it happens like there it's, and I'm not going to sit here and say, it's not okay for you to make friends with your clients, but have, because part of that really in some ethic, an ethics teacher is probably going to call me on the carpet for this because you just don't do it. But part of that again, and we always kind of revert back to this. You have to have that conversation. Hey, you know, I would really like to go to breakfast with you not as my, not as your therapist. Like you gotta, you gotta draw that line. And if it starts to go overboard where suddenly now, like for lack of better terms, like they're up your butt about everything and communicating with you constantly, you're going to have to bite the bullet and be like, Hey, listen, like I have no problems hanging out with you. You're a great person, but like uh, our first relationship is client therapist. Like that's what we're trying to stick to. Or you got to say, we got to go one way or the other. We can be friends, but I can't see you professionally or we have to, you know, whichever way. Yes. uh, It should be. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, what we just kind of, I don't want to call it giving advice, but what we just talked about, I've broken that, right? I had people who I was friends with who are massage therapists and I've gotten work done by because I trusted them, trust them still. And some of them are great friends that I, I still have today, right? It's yeah. it's about understanding, but the, here's the most important thing. I talked about, we talked about, openly talked about the boundaries of the relationship we had, right? Yeah. It was very, it, it was established uh, of the expectations each of us have and, you know, to ensure that the professional never crosses over, they never bleed together, that it's always separate, right? So, you know, it, you can handle it at the level you need to, but the right thing to do, completely keep them separate because when they start to bleed into each other, uh, as a business owner, you open yourself up to liabilities. You mm-hmm. open yourself up to, in some of these situations, getting hurt. Like, you know, it, it could it could be not fun to deal with and you could lose clients, right? You could yeah. lose people and it could be something that is just out of your control. So yeah. why put yourself in that situation to begin with? Yeah. And part of, part of keeping the boundaries includes, you know, maybe you're not feeling comfortable having that conversation, that open conversation with them from the get-go. Okay. So you do step two, which is to make sure that the conversation in your office doesn't get friendly. It's not like the same conversation that you had if you had lunch with them or whatever, you make sure that it's focused on their health and wellness and kind of, uh, I'm, the word incognito pops into my mind, but uh, that's not understood statement. The understood statement while they're getting worked on is, okay, this is for me. This is not time to chat. This is not time to get updated on what's going on in her life. Um, those are two really important things. You Transparency, have the communication, have the conversation of, okay, I have no problems hanging out with you, but this is what we have to remember. Are you cool with that? Great. I think it's, I, I'm so glad that you brought that up to like, have that, to have that conversation. I mean, I've, I'll, I've broken it. I've had, I've had lunch with, I've had lunch with several of my clients. Um, some of them do it at Christmas time. That's like their gift to me. Like they'll come and then they'll be like, Hey, I want to take you out to dinner for Christmas for your Christmas present. Great. Cool. And and the difference is 
those expectations of personal and business have yeah. already been discussed, right? Yes. The boundaries are set and it's yep. not necessarily that it's okay. It's just you for your business. You've set yourself up to protect yourself and you're okay having, you know, that personal life with them as well. So, yeah. um, you have two other bullets on here and I'm not really sure how to tackle them. So, okay. So the two different bullets, uh, and I've had, I've received several of these, um, invitations to parties or events. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to decline those, um, one, because, while some people might be looking at it like, oh, the massage therapist is going there um, as a party or event. Um, uh, yeah, who knows like what clients I could pick up. It's not a networking spiel, guys. It's a party or event that your client is hosting. I tend to stay away from those just because personally, it's a very, very wobbly boundary line to keep. Um, now, I have been invited. Some of my clients have are members of bands and they're like, Hey, I'm playing here. I would love for you to come out and see me. No problems. I will come out and support you because you support me. And clearly even playing in a band is like somewhat of, um, I guess, local, like a local business. So that's the kind of mindset that I take on that. I'm going to support you because you support me, but still it's not, go to the concert, hang out, get drunk, have drinks with them afters. It's like, Hey, I'm coming to see you. Hey, great job. Awesome. Maybe have a couple, maybe have a couple minute chat and then you're gone. I usually, I usually take someone else with me, like a friend, or if I'm, you know, if I'm dating someone, I'll take them a family member. I mean, it can be a great time to see your clients outside. For me, when I went to that concert, it gave me so much knowledge. And it was like in a little bar, like it was just like a little, like one time local bar. You're supporting them on their job. Right. So it's, we should have totally done this segment with a guest ethical instructors and totally just like threw all of this at them. Cause I'm curious what like somebody who is like deeply educated in ethics thinks about some of the things we're doing. Like I can definitely see every, like both sides of it. I can, I can, I can almost see it like a film of somebody's like, nope, can't do that. This is the reason why. And here's the thing. It's probably right. You probably, there are some things you probably shouldn't do that seem comfortable and okay. And kind of like you wouldn't give a second thought about. Right. But when an ethical ethics instructor talks about the repercussions, you're kind of like, whoa, that's, that's so well, not worth it sometimes. Well, yeah. And most ethics professors to everything that we have said is like, nope, don't do Like it's a very hard line and I yeah. get it. I get it. And I got it and I understood it when I was in school in the first two years that I was out. But once you're in business for six years and you start building relationships with these people, it becomes super, I don't want to say hard, but it, it becomes, it becomes a little difficult to like not accept what they're offering if it's out of if it's a generous offering like genuine not generous genuine if it's a genuine offering right um uh, let me throw a scenario at you okay i don't like i don't like this already no 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 no, no. this is gonna be fun <laughs> this is gonna be awesome so yeah, that's what you said last time Chad. <laughs> imagine uh you know you just uh your, your client just you just finished up with your client it's uh october um and you know it's you're checking them out. You're, you know, you're finalizing your final steps in your uh, six step process. And they say, Hey, listen, 
normally every November, uh, my wife and I, we go to Cancun because we have this awesome timeshare there. We can't go this year. So here's what I would love to be able to do. I'd love for you to be able to go instead of us, if that's okay. And maybe, you know, we can just kind of trade, you know, maybe a couple of sessions would be, you know, paid for or whatever. We just trade them and you okay. can go there. You can go do your thing and have fun, bring whoever you want. We just can't use it that time. Ethically. Okay. Like, is this, is this one like break it down for me? Oh, if you could see my face right now. Um, if, if, if you want to put on my like ethics professor hat, um, no, <laughs> like, uh, any ethics is professor. Is that for all trades? Is that for any kind of barter trade? Uh, any kind of barter trade that's not massage therapy, like it's okay to trade with other massage therapists as long as you have the clear guidelines. But like when you're dealing with clients, if your client is willing to trade with you for something, the really hard rule of thumb is no. Um, you don't trade with businesses outside of your uh, already existing industry. So does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, um, I, get, and I get that. I, I get, I get like where you're, when two people are held to the same ethical uh, level standard, stature, standard right? Yeah. They, they have to follow the same guidelines off of the same mindset. <laughs> I can see where that might be okay to trade if both, you're laughing so hard. I'm laughing because we're both searching for words. Listen, like, what, we don't wanna, what we don't want to, what we don't want to do is like give too much in the way of advice that is somebody's going to like follow and then, you know, get themselves into a situation. That's not, we're just kind of, we're, we're kind of talking it, through this. Yeah. We're breaking it down. I mean, listen, we kind sometimes we prepare for this stuff. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> this one, there, we, there really, there, it really is no prep for this. Cause like, I, I know the ethics standard part of it. You're yeah. a business owner, you know, the ethics of dealing with clients and stuff like that, but it happens. And like there's the, the truth reality of, of being human. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so you just gave me goosebumps. Oh my God. The reality of being human. That is a good way to put that. So to answer your question. In my world, a trade for that would be completely okay. I have traded for marketing in magazines. I have traded for um, lawyer consultations, meaning, hey, can you please just look over my paperwork and make sure that everything's copacetic? Um, so in my books, if a client is willing to say like, hey, I have this vacation home, this timeshare, we can't use it. Nobody else can because it's our reserved week. You know, I would really love for you to take a break if you can, can you use it and we can trade? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's do the numbers. And I would have, I would be like, I'll reach out to you in a couple of days on an off day and we can have a phone conversation about it. Keep it separate from the massage appointment and say, okay, so how much would you have paid for this week? Okay. A thousand dollars. Okay. Well for me and my rate, that's 10 massages or whatever the number is. So if you're willing to trade for that, I'm totally okay with that. Cool. All right. Awesome. And you send it in an email. I probably wouldn't follow the necessary, like, I shouldn't say necessary. I probably wouldn't follow the whole, like, type out a contract, have everybody sign it. But as long as it is in print, in an email format, like, hey, Bob, just checking in. Thank you so much for um, allowing me to stay at your timeshare this week. Just to recap, I just wanted to make sure that what we talked about was still good for you. We discussed trading a week, staying in your timeshare for 10 massages. If that is still okay to you, just give me a shout back. That way it's just in writing in case somebody comes back and is like, well, hey, no, you said 15. No, we said 10. And that's that. 
That way, every you, you're still backing yourself up in case anything happens. You're good. I think that's totally. I think that's totally fair. And again, we're not telling you what to do here, folks. We are saying, you know what? Yeah, I don't teach ethics, so don't yeah, don't yeah. take what I'm saying as the end all be all. But you know what? Even in my, you mentioned in your industry, even in my industry, I have several of my clients that are on a barter system. You know, not every single one of my clients. Uh, pays me cash, you know, and what we did is exactly what you said. We figured out for me what the cost is for them that's being traded for what their value is and then, you know, applied it, you know, yeah. some people agree that, you know, just uh, service for service is appropriate, even though they're different value. It's whatever you work out. But yeah, I like the idea of making sure it's documented because, you know, we don't want anything to happen, but in the event, you still want to be covered because at the end of the day, this is still a business you're running. You're still, you know, under an LLC, you still have to make right. sure you're protecting yourself. So, and it keeps coming back to have that conversation. If somebody's offering you something, you know, uh, I was, you know, I have a zoo pass, I have a membership pass, go ahead, use my number, uh, and, you know, take your kids out for the day, whatever you just want to make sure that you have, it all comes back to being open and transparent about the conversation. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to kind of talk about the flip side of that, which is say something does go awry. What are the risks that you're taking and how do you kind of combat the issue? So keep folding your sheets and catch us after break. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Sheets. Okay, so today we're talking about kind of a big like ethics topic and Chad and I are continually searching for words during this podcast, but we were talking about, you know, some kind of ethical boundaries that you might come across when you're seeing clients and, you know, now we're going to kind of talk about, okay, so what happens, like what are, like Chad, what are some of the risks that you might take when you cross that client therapist boundary. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you go out for drinks with somebody and, you know, you get inebriated and now you can make some bad decisions and you have to deal with it. I mean, that's a pretty extreme case, but listen, it's not fun to deal with. I mean, if it, happen, not, if, it, if it happens with your own best friends that don't see you for relationship for like for therapy, yeah. It's it, just, can, it can happen. It's, yeah. And you don't, you don't want to, so listen, it, it, there's a lot of things that can happen, but in all seriousness, it can step up into somebody taking something differently or getting hurt. And that can be considered, uh, you know, a, a stress and that can be, you know, something where it could get legal. It could get yeah. to a position where you as a business and a business owner, uh, could be investigated for something, right? Right, right. And most of the and most of the time, it's we talk about this getting hurt thing. It's not like oh, you hurt my feelings. It's you know, you get close to a client, and then suddenly the expectations that they have change. 
because they feel like they're closer to you, whatever it is. Um, discounts, right? Yeah. They might have an expectation for a discount because the discount. fans have friendly discount. And then now you, there's that boundary. No, you're a paying client. And being being squeezed in. Yeah, they're following your- minute cancellations. They're maybe. following, yeah. They're following your personal Facebook as well as- your business Facebook and they're like, well, you said you were sick, but there's pictures of you at the pool, like stuff like that. Like, I mean, it's, it, it can, anything and everything can happen. And what we don't want is for you guys to now be in obviously a legal battle, but we really don't want you to have to combat. Oh, God forbid somebody leaves a negative review because they're mad at you. Yeah. Like it happens. It totally happens. I've seen it. I've seen posts about it. Hey, I was dating this guy. I didn't see him as a client and we broke up and he's mad and he left negative reviews. So like, even though he wasn't a client, like that can still happen where somebody out of spite leaves negative reviews. So how do you, you know, the next step is like, how do you combat that issue? You know, if it's behind the scenes and it's not public and it's not anywhere on Facebook or the internet, fine. You have a personal conversation. That's it. But what happens when it goes public and somebody posts a Google review that's like, she sleeps with all of her clients because they're mad at you. How do you respond to that? Because uh, you can't, you can't, you can't call Google and tell them to take it down. It's a review. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's like with any negative review, it's not an easy thing to, uh, easy, easy thing to combat. So Listen, step one, don't let it get to that point to begin with, right? But we're operating right. under the assumption uh, that the situation's happened and we need to now repair. Whenever you respond on Google publicly, the purpose to do that is so that other people who come across that negative review, they know that the person feels heard or cared about or that their issue is being worked on. That's the whole point of responding. It's There's a very small, maybe 10% part of it of maybe this person will reach out to me and we can resolve it but it's all about if somebody stumbles across this negative review what is their new perception of me and my business and you have the opportunity to do it really well to where somebody says damn they handled that really well this seems like a, like a really good person i would you know I, I say it all the time i'd rather do business with, business with somebody who has a 4.7 a couple of negative reviews but responds to everyone and it, you know you can tell that they care about their uh, people instead of a five star perfect and they don't respond to anything right when you humanize that part of it um, that goes a long way. But when we're talking about somebody who just puts something on there that says she sleeps with all her clients, listen, there is a button that says flag. There is a way for something. Oh, that okay. I didn't there, know that. There is a way for something that is completely off topic, that is um, spammy, that is sexual in nature, that is, that I think off topic or off base is one of the reasons. And what okay. happens is, is it triggers Google for a human to look at your report and what they'll do is they'll say, does this have to do with the goods or services that they provide? And is it relevant as a truly negative experience? And if the answer is no, they will remove that review. Okay. So okay. say they, so say, I'm oh, sorry, I won't interrupt you. Keep no, going. no, no, you're fine. No, but it's, so my point is you, 
there is a way if it is totally off base, off topic, and they're just blasting you to get it removed because that shouldn't be there. That's not a true representation of their experience. But if they're able to word it in a way where it kind of weasels its way in and seems real, listen, yeah. you, you just gotta, you gotta pick up the phone and call and be like, listen, this is not cool. Let's figure this out. That's what I was going to say, because a lot of people are like, how do I respond to this review? And most oftentimes, I mean, we've said it, we've had a conversation about this before a podcast where it is, you know, where do you invest, where do you invest your time and energy and what do you respond to and what you don't, um, reviews you want to respond to, but this review, like that kind of review where you're just like, okay, I know this person's mad. I, I, I mean, yes, absolutely. For your first step should be to pick up the phone and be like, listen, like I get that you're upset, but there is no need to blast, blast my reputation on, on Google. Like what, what, you know, however that conversation. You can handle it in a, you can handle it in a specific way when you, when you make that, when you have that conversation too, you can handle yeah. it in a way where you are what I call coming from contribution. And what I mean by that in sales, we always say, what are you working on and how can I help you? Right? Well, right. you can reword that in a way of, listen, I feel like you may have, you know, felt mistreated or hurt or whatever. Listen, talk to me. What did I do? What can I do? What, what needs to happen here? Because right. nine times out of 10, that came from a place of emotion, not a place of fact. And emotion doesn't, it's not, it doesn't, it's not always the same thing. It can change. And if you're right. able to have that conversation, you might be able to really reel that in um, and get on the same level. And they would just pull that review completely. Okay. So until, you know, say it's like a week that that review is up. Okay. Would you even put like, you're the marketing expert. Would you even put a response that's just as simple as, Hey, Paul, I, we will be reaching out to you soon. Like so, so that, you know, like you constantly talk about this response to reviews, at least until it gets taken down. Like, like yeah, would reviews, you, what would you respond with? So we're not respond at all. You never want to respond to, the, to a review unless you know, 100% the entire story. So otherwise it's a one-sided piece, right? So if you, so sometimes that means like in a truly negative experience, you need to do some research, reach out to them. Um, but in this type of experience, you, you probably know the full story. Some of yes. it might be your fault. Some of it might all be your fault, might be none your fault, whatever, you know, the whole story. So this is definitely an opportunity to keep it simple and write something that is just strictly for the public to see that you saw it and that you're right. working on it. So it could simply be, uh, Paul, we're so sorry about the experience you had. Listen, uh, we are going to reach out to you because we really want to make this right. Um, or you can say, reach out to us and put an email address, but just something very simple. Don't get into the details, factual. And if you are in a state where you might say something that isn't right, give yourself 12 hours, wait, right. right. Take a breather, let it, let it filter through process it. Um, don't leave a review when you have a strongly, you know, you, you just, it's not good to do. You want to come from a place of fact. And I, yeah. And I would even go as far to say as if it is in the category of just blasting false, basically false accusations at you, she sleeps with all of her clients or, for me, it would be someone saying like, she's not deep tissue at all. She sucks, you know, whatever, um, whatever that entails. 
I wouldn't even go as if I, if you're going on this basis of, you know, the full story, you know, you know, you know where this may be coming from me personally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even type out. I apologize for your experience because you know, nothing happened in the session room that shouldn't have happened. It's what happened outside of the session room. That's the problem. So I would probably take half of your advice and say, you know what? Hey, Paul, reach out to us and let's discuss your experience so that we can make it right. Excuse me. So sorry. So are you saying, are you saying that the review is about something outside, but they worded it in a way to make it sound like it was part of the session? Yeah, we can go with that because there's hardly any therapist that's posted because um, it has happened. That's the only reason why I'm bringing it up. Um, has It's not just been a blanket statement. She sleeps with her clients. It's like something it's worded to fit in so that it doesn't get flagged, like you said, but it is still something that is completely a hundred percent away from how they operate their, how they operate their business has nothing to do with their business and has every, that review was posted because they were dating. The therapist broke up with the client and now the client's upset and hurt and pissed. So they're sure. going to slander their name. Sure. I get Does that. Does that make okay. sense? I, yeah, I 100% get that. So here's my, here's my thing. And why, why not say, we're sorry to hear about your experience. Tell me which issue you're not admitting fault. You're not admitting guilt. You're simply saying from a business point of view, which mind you, the business could have an admin who handles this, right? It could not even be the person in question. It could be the business that's responding that says, we're sorry to hear about your experience. We want to work to make this right. Reach out to us here. Which part of that admits fault or directs fault. It's it, To me, it's simply just saying to the public, we see this and we're gonna work to make it right. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I get where you're coming from, but it, it, you, you can't think of it in a way as by saying, we're sorry about the experience you had as admitting fault. That's not what you're doing. You're just recognizing what that somebody's they upset. are. And we know in this situation that there's an entire backstory that has nothing to do with the actual words that were on the review. So this right. is again, just for the public to see. Okay. Because they, they probably, I mean, no. they probably worded it that way because they knew it would have gotten flagged and taken down. So they snuck it in there. Right. So why I mean, not be sneaky too? And just be like, Hey, listen, this is a bad experience. We're going to fix it. You might be yeah, the I hero. Mean, listen, you changed my mindset. Cause in my opinion, just that simple, we're sorry for your experience uh, was in my mind, I was assimilating that with, okay, well, that's an admission of guilt. Yeah. And, and, and the wording, and just to be clear on how the wording was, I said, um, we're sorry to hear about the experience you had. Okay. Right. So, and, and the way, I, the reason I say it that way is it's, it makes it, I don't, I don't think it makes sense, but like third, third party, it's like to, so outside. It's, observe, it's so broad that it's, um, it still brings the business in the loop as caring, but it doesn't make the business at fault or overpromise anything and definitely doesn't undeliver, under deliver on anything. It just okay. strictly says, we're sorry to hear about your experience, not even any of the specifics of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I see your point. I mean, done deal. Like you just, yeah. you, you explained it. You explained it perfectly. You can say that for any negative review. Yeah. So sorry to hear about the experience you had. We really want to make things right. Reach out to us at and put the ball in their cart court if they don't want to reach out cool at least publicly you, you said responded. we care and yeah. we gave you a way to connect with us right nice and if and they I, do I, respond which by the way 
they get pinged when you leave a response. They get an email yeah. say that the company responded. So they are notified. So if they choose not to respond, that's on them. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I think, guys, I think that, you know, just responding, responding the, ex the exact way that Chad said, I think just kind of, it makes sense for any of it. Now, if it goes beyond that bounds and you're in a legal battle, this is, we are not the podcast to discuss legal options. Get yourself an attorney and be like, look, this is what happened. Show them the paperwork, show them the conversations, show them the schedule. If they came to your office, whatever that's, I mean, if it goes that far, get yourself an attorney. But if we're talking just simple, you know, bad friendship, bad relationship gone south, and they now are posting negative reviews, respond accordingly. Um, rewind it if you need to hear what Chad said again and have a personal phone call with that person and be like, look, what's going on? Like, I like the term. I like the fact that you were like, call him up and be like, not cool. <laughs> it's not cool, man. That's so no. not cool. But I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a good, instead of getting into like, okay, you have option A, B, C, and D. Because normally nine times out of 10, that's what happens is a bad review gets posted and you're, everybody's worried about slandering the business. Here's the thing. Um, it's avoidable. It's an avoidable situation by setting your expectations, establishing the boundaries and not crossing the line. Listen, folks, this whole thing, all these negative pieces on it are avoidable if we just do what's right. I get that it can be tough sometimes, but you can, like we said, do the things that you want to do just as long as you're having that open, transparent conversation and establishing right. the boundary. You know what I mean? Like, but if it gets to that point, I think we gave some great advice. This is fun. This is a fun one where we kind of didn't prep too much. I know. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot about owning a business that a lot of it is just kind of, you gotta, you gotta kind of just hash it out and you just got to kind of talk about it. Like there's not, gonna be a how-to article for everything um and i i mean i think this i think this podcast episode was great i think it's gonna give a lot of people um some hope maybe give a little like give some people a little bit more ease with relaxation because i know that we have some people that are very hard set on boundaries and if that works for you that's great but you know don't be afraid to open yourself up to be like oh yeah hey you know, receive what you can receive, but still keep those expectations. What do we got coming up next week? Oh, we got a fun topic next week. We are talking about um, essential oils and not how to use them, not what to do with them, but more or less just a general concept of the benefit that they can have if you add them into your business. Um, some people consider this an upgrade. Um, and you know, how you can, you know, go about making some residual income with it, um, making your clients feel special and catered to giving you that edge above other people in your community. So tune in next week for essential oils for the massage therapist. This is Chad and Jeanette signing off. Keep folding your sheets, make them nice and crispy. See you next week. <laughs>